Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be with you. This is the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that are preached from the pulpits of the three churches I serve in Camden County, North Carolina, are uploaded for you to listen to. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I am uh, honored to be to serve as the pastor of three churches in Camden County, Camden United Methodist Church, Trinity United Methodist Church, and Sharon United Methodist Church. The sermon you're about to hear was one that was preached on Christ the King Sunday on November the 24th. The two uh, readings that we use for that particular Sunday and that is the basis of this sermon. Uh, the first is uh, Colossians chapter 1 verses 11 through 20. Colossians chapter 1 verses 11 through 20. And then Luke chapter 23 verses 33 through 43. Again, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. Might be a good opportunity for you now to pause and read over those two pieces of Scripture. Uh, Hope you enjoy enjoy the sermon. God bless. I posted this one on our Facebook page this week, but I wanted to share it again this morning. A preacher waited in line to have his car filled with gas just before a long holiday weekend. This was back in the days when there were full-service gas stations. The attendant worked quickly, but there were many cars ahead of him. Finally, the attendant motioned him toward a vacant pump. Preacher, he said, I'm so sorry about the delay. It seems as if everyone waits until the last minute to get ready for a long trip. The preacher chuckled and said, I know what you mean. It's the same in my business. I like the point of that joke, that we all have a long trip ahead of us, one that promises the end of one life and the beginning of another. And we need to start making preparations for that trip now because there are only two paths for us to take. There's another joke I've seen before that says that the fact that there is a stairway to heaven and a highway to hell should tell you about the amount of anticipated traffic on both paths, and each path is determined by who your king is. Beginnings and endings. Today is both an ending and a new beginning. Today is the last weekend of the church year with next week beginning the new church year with the season of Advent. And in our passages for this Sunday, we see an end and a new beginning too. Our reading from Luke proclaims the innocent suffering and death of Jesus Christ for the reconciliation of sinful humanity. And no other passages, like the one from Colossians, proclaims that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. So today is about endings and new beginnings, just like how every day has an end and a new beginning. As we drown the old Adam or Eve at work in us through daily repentance so that a new creation, a new you, would come forth and arise and live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Throughout my many years of life, I've had a number of endings and new beginnings. Some endings that come to mind are ending high school, ending college, ending seminary, the end of playing baseball, the ending of friendships or what I thought were friendships. Some other endings and new beginnings include the end of single life and into married life. The end of life being all about me to life being all about my God and my family. The end of being a lawyer and the beginning of being a preacher. And I'm sure there are many more, just like for all of you. If you were to take stock of your life up until now, you've experienced a number of endings and new beginnings. Some of the endings in our lives can be difficult. 
like the end of a marriage when death or divorce comes or the end of a friendship with someone who we thought was our friend. Some of the endings in our lives can be good and holy, like the end of a long struggle with addiction or cancer or the end of an unhealthy or abusive relationship. New beginnings tend to be full of excitement and expectation, but they can also be full of anxiety and fear. I can remember when I went back to seminary at around age 40. I was a good 15, 16, 17 or so years older than most of my classmates. I didn't know a soul, and even though I was a grown man with a wife and two kids, this new beginning was full of anxiety. Would I fit in? Would I make friends? Who would I sit with in the cafeteria? I recall on my first day of class, after I took my seat, I noticed that everybody sitting around me reached into a bag and pulled out a laptop to take notes. And me? Well, I pulled out a spiral ring notebook and a pencil. I was definitely old school as compared to my compatriots. However, anyway, we look at these endings and beginnings, all of them pale in comparison to what the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, accomplished for you and me on the cross through death itself, and as he conquered the grave by rising again on the third day. That's not to say what we have experienced is trivial or doesn't matter. Who we are and the fires we've been through have helped forge our character. But what that is to say is when placed alongside of what God himself did on our behalf and the peace he made through the blood of his cross, this should put things in a different perspective. No matter what we've been through, the highest highs and the lowest lows. What matters most is knowing what kind of king we have in Jesus. Our king is God himself, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This king is unlike any other king this world has ever seen or ever will see. This king does not conquer by might and muscle. This king conquers by the power of his word, which transforms the hearts and minds of all those who would simply hear and believe. This king does not speak softly while carrying a big stick. No, this king speaks loudly each and every week through the proclamation of the gospel and through the promises given to us in holy communion and baptism. This king does not seek to vanquish his enemies by sword or drones or tanks. This king seeks to turn enemies into friends through forgiveness and love. This king does not seek to better himself in the eyes of an adoring public. This king seeks to be the Savior, the Redeemer, the Sanctifier, and the focal point of sinners who would rather have no God at all than this gracious and merciful God who once promised to a condemned criminal, Today you will be with me in paradise. As we all know, this king met an untimely death and an end on the most vicious forms of punishment in the ancient world, crucifixion. But this king would not let death Hatred, jealousy, coercion, arrogance, injustice, bigotry, sin, and Satan have the final say. This king brought life through death, brings reconciliation to rebels, brings forgiveness to sinners. In a word, God brings all that he is and all that he has to you and for you and continues to do that each and every day and all throughout the world. This was prophesied and predicted and promised when Zechariah opened his mouth after his son John was born, who we now know as John the Baptist. He said, By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, a light to guide our feet into the way of peace. Christ is King. 
This day was inaugurated as part of the church calendar in 1925. I found that out this week. It was the Church Universal's reaction to the prevailing isms of the day. Nationalism, socialism, communism. It was felt that there was a need to reinforce and remind the people that there was only one king, one allegiance, one way to pledge our lives towards, and that was Christ. And I'm afraid to say that as we stand here some 94 years later, that we still suffer from the isms. Secularism, consumerism, individualism. And, I, and may I offer one that I thought about this mo- just this morning. Christerism. You guys know what a Christer is, right? That's the term for folks that come to church only twice a year, at Christmas and Easter. So we call them Christers. But I think we are all a little Christerish. For example, we will spend all of December saying what? Merry Christmas. From December 1st to December 25th. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then next spring, Happy Easter, Happy Easter, Happy Easter. Maybe not as long, but we certainly say it. And both statements let the world know what we are anticipating and what we are celebrating. Our King's birth on one end and our King's resurrection on the other. But what about the 10 months in between? What do we say then? I mean, we'll say Merry Christmas or Happy Easter to just about anyone we come in contact with in December and April, won't we? And we'll say it full of energy, full of excitement to perfect strangers that we encounter while shopping or running errands or whatever. When's the last time that you said, with the same amount of energy and excitement, to a complete stranger, Jesus is King? What would that look like? At Walmart this week, buying the last-minute things for Thanksgiving, saying to the cashier as you take your bag, Jesus is King. Or at Dollar General after Christmas, getting a a can of black-eyed peas for New Year's Day lunch, saying to the person in line behind you, Jesus is King. Or when buying your Valentine's Day cards, or shopping for your St. Patrick's Day party, or during Memorial Day weekend, or on the 4th of July, Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Jesus is King. What's left for us to do is simply this, to believe and be thankful. To believe in our King and our God, who He is and what He has done, and be thankful that all the wrongs we commit and experience, all the bitter endings, all the fearful new beginnings we, we have been, they are, and will be transformed for God's glory. As St. Paul writes in Romans eight twenty eight, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. In closing, I'll leave you with a prayer once written by a faithful Swedish bishop named Bo Geertz. A man who once refused to believe in God, but a man who came to trust in the good news of Jesus Christ with all his might because he knew that apart from him, there is no hope from anyone. He writes these words. I know I will never be forsaken by God the Father because you, Jesus, are my Savior and my atonement. You who hung forsaken on the cross at Golgotha for me. Even if I never finish what I ought to do and want to do, in thankfulness and love for what you did for me, I can still know that you completed everything, even what I was supposed to do. You took upon yourself all my guilt, all my trespasses, and everything I was responsible for. You took my sin upon yourself when God saw it, and it had to be consumed by the burning coals of His holy fire. I know I can never thank you enough 
for what you did out of love for me. Yet I know you did, so I would receive it free of charge. Therefore, I stretch my hands out to your cross and take hold of it, praying that I may rest under its blessed arms now and forever. Yes, friends, Jesus is King. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next week, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.